0: This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org Hi everybody. Um, so when we we did the 10-minute practice talks in, in Preachers Club um, a few months ago, uh, I was incredibly nervous. I spent the whole session, I was the last one, at the point of of almost running out of the room, I was really, really scared um, and i 've been pretty nervous this week i 'll be honest i feel, I feel like i 'm in good company with uh, with Paul when he says that um he came in in weakness and in fear and, and in much trembling um there's been some trembling this week um. But I'm encouraged by the fact that Paul goes on to say that he came with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I'm praying, uh, Lord, please by your Spirit um, do something through my trembling. Um, um, when when you're told that you have to speak on the theme of simply Jesus. Um, it can be a little bit tricky to decide what you want to speak on. i brought this as a visual aid. This is is not usually the Bible I bring with me, but it was the Bible I was reading whilst I was trying to think about what to say. Jesus says all the Bibles about him. So (laughs) um, we've had a few months to think about what to talk about. And um, I just wanted to say everything because, you know, Jesus is amazing. Uh, I I began to narrow it down um, and began to think perhaps I wanted to talk about the um, kind of introductions to each of the four gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life, uh, where we see prophecy both from the Old Testament in the kind of hundreds and thousands of years leading up to Jesus um, and also new prophecy that came through um, angels and through Mary and through various others um, and how that sets our expectation for who Jesus is. But again, that's quite a lot. <laughs> um, I was looking at all four gospels and trying to like draw together themes. Um, Jesus is, is, you, you cannot contain him in a talk. Um, but I found myself leaning towards one particular, um, uh, I guess prophecy is the right word, or kind of declaration over Jesus, um, which is in Matthew chapter 1, uh, where um, we have, oh no, that's, one of the things <laughs> that I've discovered in terms of uh, preparing talks is, um, as many of you will know, I, I teach uh, academic writing and academic communication at Coventry University and one of the things I always say to my students is make sure that you have practiced your talk or your presentation before you have to give it. I've discovered that if I try and do that with this kind of talk I go into meltdown f- freak out so I have not said this out loud before so <laughs> apologies. Um, okay so yes Matthew chapter one So the prophecy sits in Isaiah, but the phrase I want to focus on is, is Matthew's commentary, where he says that the name Emmanuel means God with us. I kind of see this talk as a part two to uh, Chris Jones's excellent talk, um, where his his talk was entitled uh, Simply Being with Jesus. Um, and if you remember, if you were there, he um, took us to the story of Mary and Martha, where, um, Jesus has come to dinner at Mary and Martha's house. And I can never remember which way around they are, but one of them, (laughs) Chris will be able to tell me, uh, one of them, uh, is busy around with all the kind of service and doing and things that need to be prepared for the fact that she's got a guest. Um, and the second sister, uh, she is just sitting at Jesus' feet with him And um, Jesus commends her for that. He says that she she's doing the the, the right thing, the the only thing. Um, And so when I realized there was quite a lot of overlap between my talk and Chris James, I messaged him (laughs) um, and talked to him about it. um, And he encouraged me that there's no no problem with repetition because it just means God's saying something. Um, So our God wants to be with us. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Who is God? I'm just going to give you a moment to think about that. Who is God? We've heard some amazing things about God this morning, that he is king of kings. He is the ultimate ruler and monarch he is glorious, he is vast and beautiful, and he is creator. He is someone who inspires awe in us. Um, But he is also, I say but, that's the wrong word, Um, he is profoundly relational. Um, When I was a, a teenager, I had a concept that, we had to sort of believe that the Trinity was a thing that like somehow God was three persons in one. It wasn't that confusing? Um, here's some kind of weird illustrations to try and help you understand it, but that just makes it worse. Um, and then I went to a conference where um, the Trinity was just taught differently, taught biblically, that the fact that our God is three persons in one, is father, son and Holy Spirit means he is profoundly Relational. He is love. In one John four verse eight, it says, "God is love." Not that he is loving. Not that he is full of love. Both of those things are true, but he is love. He did not sit somewhere in the distant past on his own and think, "Oh, I don't know, I'm a bit bored today. I might make some humans." And then when he made them, goes thought. I kind of feel something for them. Maybe I'll call that love. Um, that is not how it happened. He has always been for all eternity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in beautiful, loving relationship. We are the overflow of that. In Ephesians 3, uh, the end of verse 14 through to the end of 15, um, Paul is talking about who God is and he says that he is the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Um, And if you have the ESV in front of you, it tells you that you can translate family as fatherhood uh, because the Greek word patria is really closely related to the word for father. So we could read that, um, that he is the father from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named. I think sometimes we think that God uh, looked at humanity and saw dads and thought, that's a bit like me. Um, Perhaps I should sort of tell them I'm like a dad. Um, But that's just the wrong way around. Uh, He has always been father. He has always had a son. Jesus has always known that love. And so God didn't look look to us for a metaphor Instead, he created us, echoing his very being. And it is God's heart that we would know that love the way that Jesus knows it. So in 1 John 3 verse 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Um... For my 10-minute talk, um, what I did is I went through John's Gospel and looked at the shape of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. It's a really fun exercise if you want to read, you know, uh, kind of focus when you're reading John's Gospel. Um, and what you begin to see is this beautiful mutuality between them. So you see that we, we have the Father loving the Son and the son loving the father. we have the father glorifying the son and the son glorifying the father. Uh, we have uh, the um, son hearing from the father, but also the father listening to the son. And there's lots of these if you if you have a look, this kind of beautiful mutual relationship that they have. So God profoundly wants us to be wants to be with us. He does not need any persuading. When we come to him, seeking him, he will be found. When we go back to the garden, back to humanity's beginning, I don't know about you, but I find that beautiful. The fact that God seems to be in the habit of just taking a stroll in the garden with his people, um, in the cool of the day, um, interestingly that kind of word cool has also got the the idea of of wind in it which we know is very closely related to the spirit so we get this sense that, that kind of god is is moving in his spirit through the garden walking with them people interpret that in different ways was he there in some kind of bodily way was he not but that's not really the point there was intimacy there um he he and humanity him and adam and eve um knew each other were with each other um but obviously things went awry. Um, one of the things I think that's quite interesting, if you actually read, um, Genesis, uh, three, um, is that we assume, I think often that the immediate response really was that God was like, okay, you've sinned, I'm leaving, but he doesn't. He comes to them. He still wants to be with them. They are the ones who are hiding. Um, And yes, we see throughout scripture, throughout the Old Testament, that our sin means that being in God's presence is a problem. Uh, We see that as unholy people, we can't be in his presence. But actually the the problem really um, starts in the human heart, that even if we could be with God, our natural being doesn't want to be because of our sin. And our shame and our fear and all our negative emotions, and the fact that God, suddenly, when you know, as a, as a sinner, He feels scary. Um, but God's heart has always been to be with us. In two Corinthians five verse twenty, I love what Paul says. He says, "We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf: be reconciled to God." God's heart is, is just so full of desire to be with us. We can see this really clearly, I think, in the future that he has planned for us. I think in the culture, there is a real sense that, um, heaven's a bit naff. Um, you know, there's, it's just going to be, maybe it's going to be like kind of pleasant. Um, but the future that we hear in scripture is all about us being with God. Um, So in John chapter 14, verses one to three, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare... (laughs) <laughs> if it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I will come and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Um, Chris said in his, in his talk that... Um, that's the thing. That's what it is. That's what eternal life is. Uh, it's to be with Jesus. Um, I love what, what Jesus says on the cross to the uh, thief. Uh, he says, um, when, so the thief, um, obviously there's two thieves, but the thief who recognizes who Jesus is. Um, Jesus says to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and then, it, obviously, we often turn to Revelation twenty-one um, to get a sense of, of where we're headed. Um, so, I'm just going to read that in full. But I want you to, like, watch out for. I say one in full, verses one to seven. I, wanna, I want you to watch out for the way in which our relationship with God is described. Uh, this is our future. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. So in this, this beautiful picture of where we're headed, we're described as a bride coming to her husband, as a son with their father. Um, these are intimate, intimate uh, pictures That is what God wants for us. We do not have to persuade him. We do not have to persuade him uh, to be with us. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That is such a tender thing to do. Um, I'm not sure I've ever, maybe apart from a small child, ever wiped someone's tears. (laughs) That feels really intimate. Um, And that's what God has on his heart for us. Um, I've realised I have no idea what time I started. Apologies. <laughs> um, I would love if Ruth would just pop a photo up for me. Uh, oh, the other one? Sorry. Um, so, um, this is my dad. You all, um, well, most of you know my mum. Uh, my dad um, died about 15 years ago, but uh, this is my dad with my brother. Um, I just love the expressions on their faces. Just the like absolute joy and delight of the fact that they're sitting like that is, is just it's just beautiful. Um, I just think that, that that photo is a beautiful echo of how God feels for us. Like he's so delighted <laughs> to be with us. Um and I think you can see the sort of the overflow of that. Like my brother loves being there. You can tell. <laughs> um, that's how we're meant to feel in God's presence. We're meant to feel that joy, that delight, that I get to be here. I get to be with you. Um, and yeah, and we just don't need to persuade God. Like that is not a dad who's had to be persuaded to have, you know, time with his son. Um, so yeah. Like when you feel that feeling of like, I need to distance myself from God. I've done something. I feel shame. I feel fear. I feel any kinds of negative emotion. That is what happened in the garden. It's not what happens now. Like God has changed everything. We do not need to feel those things. We can just sit and enjoy God um, in intimacy. Um, so yes, next Victor. Um, we've all had a taste of being apart from the people that we love, um, during the pandemic. Um, technology was amazing because it meant that we could still speak to people, but it's not the same. (laughs) Um, and I think this picture captures it. I think this is taken in an airport. Um, that moment where you get reunited maybe after years because of a disease, um, the disease of sin has meant that we have been separated from God. Um, but this is possible now. We can run into his arms and we don't need to let go. There's no reason to let go. Um, yeah, I find that quite moving, that picture. Um, when, uh, just going back to my brother, many of you know he has autism, so he lives in a care home. Um, and so we weren't able to be in the care home um, during the pandemic. And being pr- quite profoundly autistic, it really doesn't get video chat. So we, we attempted some and it would just be like the screen with his bedroom and he'd be like off over here somewhere out of shot. Um, so <laughs> um, I think many of us have also experienced those experiences where we really genuinely can't be with the people that we love Um and there's just an ache, isn't there? We just want it so badly. Um, so I want I want you to feel God's heart for you, that He wants to be with you. But I also want you to feel the ache that He still aches for those people around you who don't yet, don't yet know Him, are not yet with Him. Um, I want you to feel what He feels, because that's how Paul felt. He, he was motivated by God's love for others. He was imploring people on God's behalf, be reconciled, be reconciled to God. This is where you need to be. Um, yeah, his heart should be infectious. We get to enjoy this every day, but we take it for granted. I mean, I do, I take it for granted. Um, but we are designed from the start to be with God. I don't know how much of this I'm going to get through. Um, Thank you. That is very helpful. Thank you very much. I've got some more time. Brilliant. Okay. Um, That means I can kind of really get to Jesus. Um, I wanted to take us into the Gospels. (laughs) So Jesus is uh, really the ultimate expression of God with us. Uh, he, He... Stepped out of out of eternity, out of heaven, into humanity in such a incredible way, um, and we see a glimpse of what it is that God is after in the way that He relates to people um, in in the Gospels, um, and some of the things He says and some of the things He does. Um, one of the things that I think uh, is interesting is what gets Him angry. I bet you didn't think I was now going to (laughs) focus on anger. Um, He gets angry when people set up barriers between God and people. He gets really angry because this is what he wants. Um, So, for example, we see in in Matthew 21, 12 to 14, but also in, in Mark and Luke as well, Jesus going to the temple And it says, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He's angry that the place where people are meant to meet with God at this time. Obviously, we now no longer have to meet in a temple, but this is where people were meant to meet with God. And they've turned it into a marketplace. People just don't seem to care. It's just, you know, this is a holy place, place where they're meant to people are meant to meet with God. And instead, there are people who are just trying to make money off people who want to know the Lord. Um, he's angry. Um, and then we have in Mark 10 verses 13 to 15, story of the children being brought to Jesus. the kids have got to stay over there. He wants those kids on his lap. (laughs) He wants to be with them. And ultimately he wants us to be like those little kids, uh, the children of God. That's what we're called to be. Um, he wants more than anything, uh, for all barriers between us and being with God just evaporated, um, So maybe it's worth us stopping to think, are we putting up barriers in our own lives between us and being with God? For me, and this is this is a personal thing, it won't be true for all of you, but for me, when I am feeling more emotional and feeling more kind of like I'm struggling with my emotions, I, I find it very difficult to be with God because as soon as I stop to be still, I get overwhelmed by the emotion and it's like I can't I can't settle I can't hear him I just want to get out of there as quickly as possible um and so one of the things that I have to learn over and over he's been reminding me again this week is that for me I have to sit down and journal out my emotions with God and just be like I feel like this and 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 start slowly I start to hear God's voice coming in and him bringing truth and bringing love and bringing transformation to my emotions. And suddenly I'm in his presence and it's wonderful, but I had to kind of go through to get there. Now that won't be true for all of you. Um, there'll be other things in your life that maybe create a barrier between you and intimacy with God, but he wants you, he wants to give you the power to get rid of those. He wants to give you the insights so that you're able to to discern what needs to change, um, He, yeah, he is with you in this journey. Um, Okay. One of the things that's really interesting is that when you look in the Gospels for where people are with Jesus, they're often... It often says that jesus is reclining with them or they're reclining with jesus um, they're just they're they having a meal they're lounging around having a nutter <laughs> it's all very restful and we know that jesus says to come to him for rest um, and i just think that that is a really helpful way of thinking about it is um, that being with jesus being with our with our god uh, looks like rest Um, when we look in the Old Testament, um, and you look for where the Lord is with people, very often it's about safety, protection from enemies. Um, and that is a place of rest to know that your God is with you. He goes with you. He doesn't leave you. Um, so when, um, As Matthew mentioned earlier, uh, Jesus says again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Um, My prayer is that this place here, when we are together and Jesus is with us, is a place of rest, is a place of restoration. Uh, is a place where God's presence just allows us to be. Um, that rest would just characterise our interactions here uh, with the Lord. And ultimately, when if we think again about that future that we're looking forward to, it is described as God's rest. Um, that is where we're heading, uh, to a beautiful rest. Um, but we can have it here as well. Um, because God's presence is rest. Just think see if there's anything else that I want to quickly bring out. So Galatians 4 verses 6 to 7 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who cries out, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I think quite often we we just jump over that phrase Abba. Um, but really in English, that would be daddy. Um, which feels, I don't know about you, but a bit disrespectful. I can't call God daddy. That just sounds wrong. Um, but it's there in scripture. (laughs) Um, Abba. Um I think for me what I really want to take from this talk into my own life is just that reliance that you can hear in the words daddy. Um that sort of feeling of I don't have to pretend to be the grown-up in this relationship, you know? <laughs> I am the kid. Um when God wants to be with me, I don't need to be, uh, yeah, I don't need to be the grown-up. I can be a mess. Uh, I can, I can just be me. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm, I'm 36 and I still feel like a child inside sometimes. How do I get to be an adult? Um, okay. So, that was a, a waffle and a half one day. I might be able to write a sermon that's actually, you know, coherent. <laughs> Um, yeah, who am I to teach people how to communicate Um, okay Um, so what I really wanted to do was to end our little session by um, reading Psalm 23 together so I don't know if you would mind standing up I feel like somehow it I don't know, it hits me harder if I'm standing okay so Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.